Okay, so today we find ourselves at the end, at the very end of fight. Some of you guys feel like it has been a fight to stick around for this whole series, okay? It has been a while, has it not? Okay, it's been a couple months, but we're at the end of it. We're excited about it, uh, and this is our opportunity to go out victorious, and that is the key for us, is, is to, to, to leave and to continue to fight and to not falter, but to have success and to have victory. And it's key for us that we, we still, just like every morning, you put on your clothes, okay? You put on your clothes, and you put on the full armor of God so that you can stand, so that you can fight. And it's so key for us, because the day of evil will come every single day, all right? Every single day there will be struggle. Every single day there will be strife. Every sing- it does not matter what you do, where you're from. The day of evil will come every single day in our lives if you think about it. And we've got to know what to do when it approaches us, when he approaches us. Okay? So let's start this morning with Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Just a slight recap on Scripture, and then we'll get into a, a recap of our weeks real quick. All right? Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. And this is when we begin to suit up with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then we left off with take the helmet of salvation is where we were last week. Week one, we grew to understand again who our foe is and was and will be. Right, And you remember that we understand how important it is for us to know our foe. Right, It's important for us to know how to fight. It's important for us to know that we're in a fight and realize that. But, but the fight isn't just against the devil. Right, It just isn't against all the stuff that's going around us. It's against the man in the mirror, the woman in the mirror. That's where we understand when the fight gets real for us. Week one. Week two, we learned of the strength uh, that we possess as God's kids. We know what it means to be strong in his power. We know what it means to have strength. We know what it means uh, that he is not a one-hit wonder, that he's going to keep coming back, and he's going to keep taking care of his kids, and that he's going to come with great strength each time, but also that this is the strength that we have, and it's this type of strength and understanding This type of power that raised Christ from the dead and that lives in us. That power lives inside of us. Week three, with that Kratos power in place, we began to suit up and put on the full armor of God. We started to put some clothes on finally, okay? Everybody was getting impatient, so we started putting some things on, all right? And as Paul directed in Ephesians 6, we started with the belt of truth. Again, the word of God, which is essential to our lives. And we remember when we think about the Roman soldier, and you probably can never get away from this in your mind now because you've heard it so many times. You just think about suiting up and what a Roman soldier looked like, and the first thing he had to do Put your belt on because you don't want to look like a fool with your pants on the ground. Okay, so that's key for us, all right? Put your belt on, and it's an understanding. If that bad boy is not buckled into place, everything is going to flap in the wind. You by that? It's a plate of righteousness and all that stuff, and your, your sword will be dragging the ground and all that. You know what I'm saying by that? You need the word, and we're going to get to that more again later today, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time there on that particular point. But you got to have the belt firmly around your waist. 
In week four, remember that, bless, that breastplate of righteousness and understanding behind that, that fight gear. And, and we, we understood how the enemy tries to fight us, okay, uh, concerning this breastplate of righteousness and that he sits there and it's like a little kid. And you've probably seen that before, like those kids that play wall ball or anytime, anytime those little guys get uh, one of the little blue balls. What are those called again? Racquetball. Oh, my goodness. Seriously, that's probably the most annoying thing ever made to mankind outside of a racquetball court because it's like... And that's just with Aiden in 10 minutes, okay? You know what I'm saying? But that's what the enemy does. He sits there and he takes like a rock. He's just going... Ting! 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 Okay, finish it in your mind, all right? One of these understandings that he just keeps trying to get through, trying to get through, trying to get through, just, just tink, away at the armor, at the breastplate of righteousness. What is that? It's right standing with you and God. It's being in proximity. It's being in the right place with him. And it protects us. It protects us. And as we wear it and as we use it, it gets more beautiful. It gets more amazing. It works better. It's all that stuff. The breastplate of righteousness, it gives us a holy confidence. That's what it does. It gives us a confidence to become more than... If you're protected, you can fight. Week five, peace. And we talked about nothing like some shoes of peace. Nothing like having peace in our lives because we know what it's like to not have peace, do we not? We know what it's like for everything to be unsettled, to be up in the air, to be what we like to call a hot mess, okay? We know what that's like. And we know that's the opposite of what peace is and what we need in our lives. Why are these so important? Okay, uh, first thing we got to get to in the understanding, uh, that's a type of peace that conquers it all in life. And I want to make sure I don't miss this. No matter what it is, the peace with God and of God. Peace with God is the peace that we receive when we welcome into our lives, when we create a relationship with him, when we allow him in. The peace we always needed and couldn't find it, that head on the pillow at night kind of thing, and you can't get settled because you don't know what's wrong, that is peace with God, right? That understanding. And the peace of God is the kind that stays with us through the ups and downs of the journey of life, that it never leaves us, that regardless of what is going on, it is well peace and that's so key in this life to have peace you gotta have peace you need it in place so these shoes remember we talked about the greaves first and those were those pieces of metal that would protect the front of your legs right what happens if you got this in place you're able to run through the trees you can run anywhere you want you can go do whatever you want and you have this confidence this understanding that i am protected because you have if you ever have been hit in the shin you know what i'm talking about here that is wrong. I'm still, from when I was, a, remember I told you, middle school, hit the bleacher so hard, chipped the bone, I still got a hole in the front of my leg. That's the real deal. But if these greaves, which is part of the shoes, are in place from the top of the knee to the top of the shoe, if those, those are in place, we're able to go out and fight, no problem. But remember that firm footing? You remember that about these shoes, these, these spikes, right? They're at least this long, one to three inches is what some historians say. These spikes enabled you to have peace when you went out into the fight because you knew that you would not slip. You knew that you would not slip. You knew that you wouldn't fall. It's funny. It's comical to watch kids play baseball in tennis shoes. Isn't that fun? It's great, right? You remember? It's really a lot of fun because they're running around second. Shoom! 
And you don't point and laugh. You just kind of under your breath kind of laugh, okay? It's like, I told you so um, kind of thing. But we need firm footing in our fight and in our journey. And if we don't have these spikes that are into the ground that give us that footing, we're not going to have peace. It's inevitable. The shoes of peace gives us that confidence to keep moving, but also this understanding that I have firm footing. Also with these shoes that the enemy is under my feet completely crushed like the crushing of a grape and the creation of wine or grape juice or whatever you want to say, that he is completely broken underneath your feet. That will give you peace, right? The understanding that regardless of what's going on, he's under my feet and he's broken, okay? He's broken and he's nothing, right? Last week, do you remember, we hit on some good stuff there when we talked about, uh, you remember the, the shield of faith, right? This understanding uh, that these, these shields are so important in our lives because they protect us in a way, you know, from, from head to toe, basically, and, and layers of leather uh, that's soaked, right? And that is anointed so that we can extinguish, and extinguish the fiery darts, those arrows of the enemy. And they weren't just those run, those fly-by-night kind of darts or arrows that just stick. They're the ones that when they stick, they explode and they completely tear you apart. And he sends those warning shots, right? Those other ones that are harmless, that, you, that come into the camp, and you're just like, oh, that's no big deal. Everything's fine. All of a sudden, it's like, <laughs> blown to pieces. Blown to pieces because we didn't have the shield of faith in place, the belief and understanding that God was going to come through like he did. He would protect us, that he would give us a way of escape. Remember, walking through the door with your shield in front of you, keeping it out in front so that you have a way of escape, understanding that, that no temptation has seized us beyond what is common to men, that he will provide a way out. So key for us. And that helmet, you remember that helmet, the most beautiful thing that they would have on their head, a decorative thing, even took on the shape of animals and stuff like that. But it was so important that it was all around their head to protect them. Why? Because the enemy has schemes. He has methods. He has a singular road that he uses into your life right here in your mind. And he takes, that's what it means, a singular road, the same road every time to you. The enemy, again, is smart. He's cunning. He's sly. And he knows how to get us. Even this week, I was just inventorying my life and watching how he took the same road in to try to deflate me. Same road, because he knows. Again, like the tink, 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 same spot, same road to get in so that we can believe whatever we want. We have to allow him to break down walls, believe that we're more, and that we have a transformed mind, a new mind, changed from the inside out, that we are saved. And with that, we have benefits as his kids so important for us. So today, we're concluding it all. Are you ready? Bringing it all home, closing it in, getting ready for gratitude next week. So important. Attitude of gratitude. You need that bad boy in place. You know you've been around people that are not happy. You didn't have this. Have gratitude in their lives, and they're not fun. We want to be the folks that are fun and have this attitude of gratitude, of thankfulness in our lives. Before we get there, let's finish this up. So the last two pieces that we're going to examine today are important, are essential for our lives, just as the others were as well. But these are um, important, as Rick Render uh, points out, that God has given us spiritual weaponry so that when battles do come, we will be prepared to maintain our victorious position. See, God wants us to have a position of victory, and this is what God planted in my heart this week. He wants us to have a position of victory, not victimization. You know what I'm saying by that? Everybody's a victim. 
well, you know what happened to me last week? It's like, no, let me tell you. I'm like, I'm sure you will, okay? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, that everybody's a victim. You know, everything's, uh, woe is me. I'm just defeated. The Lord has left my life. He's not here anymore. And it's like, I got to go. I think my mom's calling kind of thing, all right? And, and, and God wants us to have a place of victory in our lives, not victimization. He doesn't want us to be victimized by the enemy and want us to be pushed down and deflated and thrown out of the situation altogether. He wants us to be victorious. And what, what we have to do is completely suit up to see that happen in our lives. Are you with me? The first weapon that we're going to begin with today is known as one of the most aggressive weapons out there. Okay, One of the most aggressive uh, by nature and how it's made and, and the purpose of it. Uh, and this, this weapon was a Roman soldier's sword. Important for a Roman soldier to have a sword. Why? So that what he could do is get out there and get in front of, okay, and defend himself and completely annihilate his enemy. So let me just give you some background on uh, some of the swords that a Roman soldier would have had in that day. Five different kinds, uh, and he ended at the one that is the most important that we're going to talk about in just a moment. The gladius. Okay, don't you picture like Gladiator coming up in here and the music starting? You know, anybody love that? I love Gladiator, especially the score. I love the score of that. But this is this extremely, so play it in your mind, okay? This is the extremely heavy, extremely heavy, big old sword. And you can imagine this was a two hander, all right? This was something that you couldn't just like shing kind of thing. It's like shong, you know what I mean? You're pulling it out and this is a big, you're like, hold on one second, please, you know, kind of pulling the thing out. Uh, you just picture like um, the Holy Grail there, right? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Uh, oh, yeah. um, but this was extremely heavy, and this was this was something that was beautiful. You know, this was a, a blade that was ornate, that was just all wonderful and and great. But this blade only had had one side sharpened, and the other had a dull, blunt side. And and something happened to the Roman folk uh, when they were fighting. And I want to make sure I don't mess this up. The Carthaginians is, is the folks they were fighting this one time. And uh, they were fighting with their style sword, this, this gladius that we see here. And, and what happened was they expected to have great victory, obviously. But this sword was so dang big, all right, and so inefficient with only one side sharpened, the only thing it could do is just basically, you know, just maybe slash a little bit. Maybe cause a little bit of, of pain, a little bit, maybe a lot of pain, but maybe a little bit of damage. And they lost because they had the wrong type of sword. These other guys had this style that we're going to talk about today that, that Rome was like, we need to use this style because, you know, we're never going to lose again like this. All right? We're never going to have this happen to us again. This is no, 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 no kind of thing, right? This is not happening again. Let me tell you about a couple more popular, more narrow sword, approximately about 17 inches long, about two and a half inches in width. This was more popular because it's ease of use. It's something that you could move around and use a little bit easier, okay? There was another one that was even shorter. It was like a dagger, okay? Uh, this was one that was to be hidden, one that you could put on the side and nobody would really see, but when you would get up close, kind of thing, all right? One of those ones that, that could cause some damage in close proximity, Okay? Another one was a long and slender one that was primarily used by the cavalry uh, and also mainly used for sport, something that would be similar to today like fencing or something like that, uh, that kind of slender, small sword that really wasn't of use for fighting, more of a decorative thing or for play or for jest or for whatever you'd want to do, okay? 
The last one that Paul had in mind, this was the one that he wrote about and that was specific to the full armor of God. And this to us we know is the sword of the spirit, but to these guys back then, it was the Mahara, okay? Hopefully I didn't botch that too bad. But this, this sword was, was different. And let's just look at Ephesians six seventeen and refresh. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is, again, the Word of God. Let's take a look at what this sword looked like. Let's try to break this down a little bit in context of life and in context of Scripture. This sword was approximately 19 inches long with two razor-sharp blades that were on both sides. Both sides. And this sword had a slight curvature at the end of it. Why did it have that? Because this sword was made that when it was thrusted into the opponent, thrusted into the opposition, thrusted in, uh, that it would take and complete, I know this is graphic, but it would take and completely tear the insides apart. And they would just flow out. Okay? This is important. You're like, oh my God, nasty. Okay? What is he talking? Kind of thing. Barf bags are coming down and oxygen and stuff. Paul uses this type of a visionary description and understanding and sword for a reason, okay? And it'll make sense in just a moment. But this thing was freak nasty, nasty as can be. And these guys knew this was the thing that took us out, and this is something that we need to take in ourselves and utilize. Because if we don't want to lose again, we got to have this type of sword in our arsenal. Or as yesterday or last week, our farsenal, okay? Kind of thing. If you were here, we said fart in church. We did. We said fart, but we came back. <laughs> All right. So how does this apply to us, though? How does this sword, again, you're like, that's gross, that's nasty. How does this apply in light of the sword of the Spirit? It's an understanding for us that we have an adversary again, and this is how it gets real, that we have an adversary, the enemy, and remember, he is prowling around trying to just to annihilate you, to take you down. And you don't want to run up against him with a gladius, right? You don't want to run up and just be like, hi, devil, chank. He's like, oh, that's nice. That's cute. Did you make that yourself? Kind of thing. You can't go up with, against him with something that's just going to maybe harm him or maim him. You know what I mean? Or just like give him a bruise. You see what I'm saying here? You need something. Are you ready for it? That you can... And when you're done, you go, you turn the bad boy. That's graphic, isn't it? And everything that he has against you, everything that he is comprised of, all the health that he has within him is completely annihilated, destroyed, dead. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Paul's like, yo, listen, guys, you need this. I'm watching these Roman soldiers, and this sword is legit you need this because you remember the old one the tank thing that you used to mess with no 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 you this is you need this this needs to be on your belt because when you get in a fight you need to be able to completely annihilate the enemy that's why it's so graphic that's why it's so real but we kind of forget things sometimes and this is gonna i love this this jacked me up this week an understanding and a reminder that the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, are completely connected together. The sword of the Spirit, and, and you'll gain understanding in just a moment, and the Word of God are connected. The sword has to be connected to the belt, and I'm going to explain to you why. The Word of God. 
When we think about the word of God, we think about the Logos. Remember this? We talked about it a few weeks ago. The Logos, which is the, the word of God that has been spoken, that is scripture that we know of. Okay? Are you with me? Say Logos. Oh, we work together. This is great. Okay, Logos. But Paul is talking about another word here. And we talked about this before, but we're going to really dig down for a moment. The rhema word of God. The rhema word of God. Rhema, this word carries the idea of a quickened word, such as a word from Scripture or even a word from God that he will give you in a moment, okay? So this is the understanding that this is the quickened word, which means it's a word for the moment, all right? A word for the moment that is essential, that is applicable, that is everything to this very moment that you're living in, okay? Rhema. They're clearly spoken, right? Spoken vividly in undeniable language or in and they're not mistaken for anything else. They're unquestionable, certain, and in definite terms. Definite terms is what a rhema word would come in. It is directly applicable to your current life. Are you with me? Okay? And this will make sense in just a moment. John 14, 26. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. These words come by way of the person of the Holy Spirit. What he does, and this is what's really cool, and this is like the, uh -huh, he takes the Logos and makes it Rhema. Does that make sense? If you're lost, hold on. He takes the words that he has spoken that is in the word of God, and he makes them Rhema, okay? We're going to explain this more in just a second. These aren't some crazy scientific, crazy terms, something that you're not, it'll make sense. They're words that are spoken, that are specific, and they remind us of who God is and how he is journeying with us every step of the way with a specific time and purpose right when we need it, right when we need it. So this is what I think of when I think of Rhema. Are you ready for this? Dun, 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 dun. No, that's not happening. Okay. I love it. Does anybody ever download fun, stupid apps? You're like, all the time. Are you ready for this? When I think of Rhema, oh, this is fun. Let's see if I can get this up. This is what I think of. <laughs> Hold on. Right? You picturing Luke Skywalker? Luke. I'm your, you know. But hold on. Hold on. Something just happened. Hold on. Something just happened. Rama. Hold on. Enemies down. Rama. You know what I'm saying, though? Right when you need it. The energy, the power, the force, no, <laughs> is with you. Right? Is this, it even stays on. When, okay, it's done. <laughs> these newfangled apps and these kids creating that stuff with sabers of light. <laughs> but the rhema is this understanding that you have with you this explosive power source that will come out right when you need it for right what you need. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. 
like a lightsaber. I have never been one that's been into Star Wars that much. Uh, it, I, I just, I, didn't, I don't know. I didn't have the time. But it was fun to listen in on conversations with my buddies over here. But I'm not going to say names, Matt. That, um, <laughs> was it you and Tanthony? Yeah, it was great. I loved it. Rama, write what we need. Write exactly what we need when we need it. When we need it. Let me tell you about this guy named Vegetius. Hopefully that's right, too. A famous 4th century historian that noted about this this type of of two-edged weaponry that we have that is sharp as a razor that you can just annihilate your enemy with. This is what he said. A single stab thought, uh, excuse me, um, though it penetrate only inches, is generally fatal. Okay, you're like, what does that mean? Again, we like to default to what we know and what we're comfortable with. Maybe it's the gladius. But he has this other type of sword for us. And it's not swinging and being so strong to swing this big old thing. It's just this smaller sword that is able to, to just... Not as much as we thought it would be, but able to take out the enemy with a single thrust. Now, why is that important? Because we have to understand how the sword of the Spirit works in our lives. A lot of times we complicate him. We complicate the word of God. We complicate his words over our lives, and we make it like a doctoral dissertation for us to do anything. You know what I'm talking about? Like we think that the rhema, has to be the whole logos before, us, before we can do anything. We sit there and we wait. God, I feel like you're saying something, but I just, can you prove it? Can, I'm going to put out a fleece. I'm going to put out a fleece. <laughs> People are going and buying North Face. No. In scripture, you put out a fleece to test and see all that jazz. So Columbia? No. Never mind. All right. A single word is more effective, right, than this big old long dissertation from heaven sometimes. See, we kind of love to wax prolific and all the, the verbiage and all these things that we begin to list out and, and that God say unto thee and then a whole list. You're like, I'm holy, right? Do you hear how I said it? Thus saith the Lord. I grew up hearing it all the time. And it's like, that, he says that after he speaks every time. Oh, that's cool. He's never, he doesn't have an I. Thus saith the Lord. I mean, thus saith me. I mean, oh, identity crisis. No, he doesn't have an identity crisis. He knows who he is. And all it takes is one word from him, okay? One word from him that changes everything. One word. Understand this. How does this, the sword of the Spirit work in our lives? Okay, we're going to get to that, that one word in just a second. But what I want you to get first is understand that it only takes that simple word, that simple word to change everything. Think about Noah, Genesis 6. That's the context, 13 uh, through 7, 4. It all started with the word, build an ark. Do something. Was that like 75 pages of conversations between him and God? Just build an ark. Abraham, Genesis 12, 1 through 3 asking him to leave Mesopotamia and start his walk of faith. You're going you're gonna to do some great things. Your father, you're gonna, he's like, do you see my situation? Just believe, just walk. A simple word. Joseph, Genesis 37, 6 through 9. Even crazier, God speaking through dreams. 
Tell him about the future and what he'll be and how he's going to save a nation, a people. Moses talking, God talking through a burning bush. If I'm hearing voices out of the bush, I'm probably going to get some Xanax, all right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like something ain't right. But God can do what he wants and how he wants to do it. You see what I'm saying here? He knows what he's doing. All he wants, like Eric brought up earlier, is someone to say yes. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and, and Luke. Just eight verses where she was cited, she received the word, and by that was chosen to be the mother of Jesus. It was just that small eight-verse segment there in Luke 1. Paul, on a constant basis, influenced by the supernatural words of the Lord. At his time of conversion, Acts 9. At the time he was being sent forth into public ministry in Acts 13. In Acts 21, even at a time when the Holy Spirit spoke to him that he needed to prepare for persecution. A single word. It wasn't a doctoral dissertation of faith. You crazy boys. A single word. That's it. A single word. A segment. Something. It only takes a word. But what's next and most important in this is it takes simple obedience for us. That's the hard part, simple obedience. Because we love to have a whole stinking manual of how to live, don't we? Other than the Bible is what I'm saying here. We love to have this morning, 7.05, brush your teeth. 7.06, oh, you, you ate too late. Okay, kind of thing, you brushed your teeth. I'm done, the whole day's gone. You know what I'm saying by that? We like to have a step... Just walk. Walk in obedience. And obedience can often be downplayed or dismissed from the equation of a blessed life and one who walks in the righteousness of Christ. What was so unique about all those folks we talked about already was their obedience. They were going on unseen, unknown things, but just a simple word from God. That's not fun, is it? Do you like for everything to be a hot mess in your life? Do you like for everything to be up in the air? Do you like for everything to be unknown? You know what I'm saying by that? Nobody likes that. But if God tells you to take the next step, you do it and you walk in it because he's looking for obedience. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but we're going to answer this other question here. What does the sword of the Spirit do to our enemy? Revelation 1, what does it do, this two-edged sword, do to our enemy? Revelation 1.16, In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. Okay? We're going to break this down for just a moment. Two-edged. You hear this a lot. And it's this understanding taken from the Greek. The Greek, distomos. Di meaning two, stomos, which is Greek for one's mouth. So literally a two-mouthed sword. Not two edges, but two mouths. You're like, how does that remotely make sense right now? Anybody with me? How does that make sense to me and where I'm at in this moment? Two mouths, this is why it's so powerful for, for us. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Same thing here. The understanding of this. One sharpened edge of the sword came into being when the word of God initially proceeded from his mouth. The second edge was added when the word of God proceeded from yours. Two mouths. You ever thought of it that way? Two mouths. It started and came through his, Logos, and then came from yours, 
Rhema, if you think about it that way. Two mouths. His word coming through your life. Two mouths, double-edged sword. It comes from our mouths with the fullness of power and understanding. And it's rhema that God has brought it forth. Hebrews 4.12, let me finish reading this to you. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Remember we talked earlier about our foe and how often the foe isn't necessarily the enemy, but the one inside. That's what's so great about this two-mouthed sword because what it does, it's like a precision doctor, like a, like a surgeon that can get in there that can get in there and, and be able to separate the things that do not belong and that are in the way the, and get through the muck and the mire of our lives and get to the, the, the laser precision to the point at which we need him to help us be healed. Think about that. This is what we're talking about here when it comes to the sword of the spirit that is able to go right through to the, the root cause. What he's enabling us to do is to be whole. What happens when this sword of the Spirit comes into your life? Things die. But we don't like it. We annihilate the enemy, right? Take that quick turn. But then also, not that you turn it on yourself, but you allow the Word of God to penetrate your life. That is not fun. Do you like being honest with yourself when it comes to things like this? Do you like saying to yourself that, let's make the list, I'm insecure, okay? All right, I have pride, I have fear. Like this is what I'm talking about. And when the sword of the spirit penetrates our lives, he begins to separate these things that separate us from God. He goes in. I'm just so emotionally a wreck, you know. And he begins to, what's you and what's this? And he begins to dissect and to break down. He's like. I can't trust anybody. He begins to dissect, break down, take out. We need the sword of the Spirit in our lives. If we want to be able to fight, we have to, you have to, that we let him fight within us first. You see what I'm saying? You have to be honest with yourself. You have to allow him in. You have to let him just break away and chip away because he knows exactly what we need right when we need it. Rhema. Rhema. I like what Paul said, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You're dead. You're living dead and that's fine because in your death, you are alive. You allowed him to insert, to, 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 to push that, that sword all the way in, turn it, Scrape away, take out these things so that you can be alive in him. Isn't that a beautiful picture? This stuff gets messy, I get it. This stuff, it hurts a little bit. But if you ever want to walk victoriously, if you ever want to completely get over this stuff, whatever it may be, you got to let him take it all. You got to let him just dissect, break apart, because he knows exactly what you need and exactly how it's supposed to happen. Rhema. His word will penetrate your life in such a way, with such force, that 
everything else that does not belong, gone. But you got to let him do it. He won't, he, won't, he won't rush his way into your life. He won't overwhelm you. He won't do that stuff. He wants you to love him because he first loved you. That's the way he operates. When it gets inside of us, it puts to death. It crucifies the things that have us bound. Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard to the word of Christ. Last question regarding the sword of the Spirit. How do we continually walk in victory? How do we have this victory with the sword of the Spirit? Number one, through meditation. Someone like David knew this. This isn't, again, you don't pull out a bunch of crystals and get on a yoga mat and be like, you know what I'm saying by that? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that type of meditation. Listen to this question from David, Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that have come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. This week, that was probably one of the most convicting things for me. If you want to really mess up your life, pray for conviction. That's fun. It's great. It's wonderful. Because, I mean, you guys carry a busy schedule, don't you? Don't everybody with me? First thing to go, God. First thing. If you don't make him first thing, he'll be the first thing to go. And that's conviction.com right here. But I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to go here. This person needs this. That person needs that. My kids need this. They need to go, well, this needs to be cleaned. And that's OCD. You know, this needs to be done. The first thing to go off the list, though, is him. So the first thing that leaves is meditation on his word. Human nature. You're like, so you don't spend 14 hours a day in the Word? No. It's, it's a struggle. It's hard. Because you know what happens. All your social media starts going off, right? Again, you've got deadlines. You've got all this stuff that starts becoming more pressing than meditation with Him. Right? That's hard, isn't it? I think it's just life, and we've got to learn how to fight this bad boy. We got to fight for these times with him, or it just won't happen. And then we can't take anybody. This is the thing about leadership, and you guys are all leaders, even if you don't realize it. You can't take people beyond where you're at. So then we just live shallow lives. You know what I'm saying? We need to meditate on his on his heart, his word, his logos. Why? Because when we need Rama, we have a base. Think back to a time when you were struggling. You were praying, and what happened? He deposited a rhema word. It may have been just the phrase that you had to Google to find out the reference. You know, I do that all the time because I don't remember references. I'm terrible with that. I don't even remember my name. It, oh, thanks, Justin. Um, he made just a small phrase that he'll deposit right then and there that comes from the, the, the bank that you have inside that you could keep depositing his word in. 
So rhema can come forth out of the Logos. Meditation. That's hard. This is something that you will always fight for. Get over it. Okay? And unless you are the most disciplined person in the world, teach me your ways. Let's go to your dojo because I need to learn. This will be a struggle. It's hard. You got to fight for time with him because everybody else will fight your time away from him. Okay? Second thing to walk in continual victory is through confession. This is a whole different way than I ever thought of this. Whole different way. Confession. We look at the life of Jesus in Matthew uh, 4. The context of this confession is when Jesus is in his 40 days and 40 nights of testing by the enemy. Listen to this, Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40, night, 40 nights, he was hungry. Duh. <laughs> I'd be like, four minutes in the day, I'm hungry, okay? The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Can you picture him? He's like, kind of thing, right? Jesus answered, I like reading the word, and it's fun for me because I have an imagination still. Just try it. It's really good. It'll really help you. <laughs> Jesus answered, it is written. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then, see that he doesn't let up. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And again, oh, swerving in. If you are the son of God, he said. Throw yourself down. And then this is what the enemy does. For it's written. Okay, this will make sense in just a moment. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you, lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him. It is also written. Are you getting this confession? Yeah, right? It is written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he says, all this I will give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. It is written. Confess in the word. If it's not inside, you have no base to confess it out. Logos. If it's not there, there's no rhema. Isn't that crazy? Even Jesus, 100% God, 100% man said, it is written. And the enemy, well, also isn't it written? He'll even, he knows the word of God and he'll use it against you. But you say, it is also written such and such and such. It's so key for us to have it in our hearts, to have the word of God in our hearts so that we can take our stand. Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is in work, that is at work within us, God is able to do what we confess. He's able. This was the context of a lot of study, a lot of scripture, a lot of Greek, a lot of whatever you want to say. This book called Dress to Kill. Matt, you still coming up with that, right? Okay, I didn't want to mess up. Matt's going to come up in just a second, and uh, his team, I think, as well. But 
I wanted to share with you the marching orders, the most important part for us to leave with today, and that's that last piece of armor, the lance of supplication, the lance of prayer. See, we kind of forget how important it is to have a life of prayer. Again, meditation, confession, and prayer, these are the first to go when life gets busy. Prayer. But we often complicate prayer. Again, if you've grown up in church, when somebody prays, they talk like, in normal life, they talk just like this, and then all of a sudden, oh, Lord, ah, I'm like, what are you warming up for? It's like, should I start doing jumping jacks or something? Right? God. And that's like, as you get older, that works better. It's fun. The 35th year has brought me jabber jaws. But this, this, lance of supp- the, the, this lance of prayer, you get the visual. And this is the way I like to make things simple in my mind of a walking stick. There's many different lances that a Roman soldier would have, different sizes and all that. And with them, attached to them, were pieces of iron on both ends. So these things were, were pretty nasty. But it was this idea of a walking stick. When it comes to life and prayer, it's something we walk with, isn't it? Remember, we're supposed to pray without ceasing. We're supposed to, what does that mean? Always talking to him. And I remember like when us dudes went on our hike, that was so fun. And the money was up the mountain in four seconds. I'm like, what is wrong with you like gazelle man? But I was right behind him, right? Old Man River was right behind you, wasn't I? Because I had something to prove. But um, I'm looking for a walking stick. I didn't have time to find one. But I'm looking because I want to make sure that I don't fall. You know what I mean? That I don't mess up. That I don't... And the great thing about a walking stick and the great thing about this is, is that you can keep the enemy at bay. It's, it's a distance that you have between yourself, even greater than your sword, even greater than your shield is this prayer. It's important for us to have prayer in our lives in this way. And we don't have to complicate it. You know what I'm saying? A simple word. God help me. Simple word. Okay. My son doesn't come up to me and say, Dad, um, uh, pull out an encyclopedia and start reading. And then he gets finally to the thing he wants to talk about. No. It's like, Dad, what is this? Son, this is. And explain it. You can come up, buddy. Or he'll come up and be like, Dad, what do I do about this? Okay, this is what you do. I have the answer. Prayer is the conversation. Why do you think every week we encourage you just to come up? And let's just talk. Because prayer is conversation. And there's different types of prayers that you can you know, present to him. But it's so key to understand that prayer is conversation with him. And prayer has to be put on just like everything else. Otherwise, you lose communication with dad if you're not talking to him. You miss his heart on things, right? You know what I'm saying by that? And also, if you don't have that walking stick in place, when something comes your way and hits you from the side, 
You'll fall right down off the side of the mountain, down to the very bottom, gone. We have to have this prayer in our lives. We have to make sure that it's in perfect condition, if anything, because it's our relationship with him. Are you with me? Here's how we're going to conclude the day. We're going to conclude our series. We're going to conclude our, conclude our conversation with a challenge. After you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. Suit it up completely with everything around you. Because again, as we know, the day of evil will come, has come, is all around us every moment of the day. And the enemy is really, really slick. And he knows how to get you. We don't give him credit. We just understand who he is. That's the art of war, right? Remember that? He is really good. But he's really and already has been defeated. Therefore, we're more than conquerors. But living in that mentality and understanding is a different thing. Right? There's nothing better for me than when I get around somebody, a great friend like I had this week, that I have such rich conversation with. You know what I'm saying by that? That just encourages me, that lifts me up, that helps me out, that gives me perspective. There's nothing greater than that. And when we have a prayer life, a conversation life with God, He gives us His his perspective. When we have the Logos in place, we can have the Rhema that comes forth to help us right when we need it. Like your lightsaber. Or I should say like your lightsaber. That happens. It's just communication. It's just talking. It's relationship. I just want to challenge you guys to stand. Right now? Not yet. Don't worry. You're like, what do you, you know that whole thing when you're at an awkward moment in service when you're working out and you weren't supposed to? Don't, not yet. I, I just want to challenge you to stand with me. I want to challenge you to, to stand firm. I, I want to challenge you uh, to put on, put on your big boy shoes. You know, I want, I want to challenge you, you know, to, to, to get righteous, man. Just do it. I want to challenge you to have a renewed mind. Have a clear mind. Because I have to challenge myself to it every single day. That's what I love about being a pastor is that I can be real and that we can be real together. Because I've been in places where they weren't real. And then down the line, you catch them as being a fraud. I'm a screw up. You are too. Let's do this together and reach the community. Boom. Let's stand together, you know. Let's, let's do it. I don't want perfect. I like broken. I like ugly. Because it just gives God an opportunity to shine. I like not being able to stand on my own. I like being weak in that respect. If he's the one helping me stand. Just makes it better. Because I don't get credit. He does. Nothing points to the Savior more than a changed life. Let's be changed together. Let's stand together, you know? So that's our first step. You, you, you've taken a chance this morning and, and you said, I'm, I'm going to commit my life to him. But the goal for us is to stand together and really just believe it. And then then to go walking out of this place with prayer in hand, 
every step of the way. And it's not made to trip somebody up, but to hold them up. Identifying and understanding that we're weak without Him, but in Him we're whole. And that's okay. Nothing to prove. Nothing to prove. Just be in Him. Just walk. Over time, it'll work out. Over time, it'll, 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 you'll make it. So I'm just going to do a simple prayer. And when I say amen, that's when you start your exercise, okay? We're just going to stand together and we're just going to conclude in a time of worship. And if you need prayer, if you need prayer, we're here. I'm here. Connection Center, they're there. Conversation can happen anywhere. Or beside you with your friend, the church. But I challenge you to respond if you need prayer in some way. We all do. Everybody ask, can I pray for you? Please, let me give you the list kind of thing. We all need it. But the challenge is just to first stand together. And when you've done that and you mean it, you can go home, you can go get lunch, you can do whatever you want. But just, I'm standing. I've done everything I can, right? Now with him, I will stand firm. Okay? Are you with me on that? you understand what I'm saying? And then you will walk victorious. Not victimized. Victorious. As you communicate, you converse with him and you can keep going. And when the enemy, you can feel he gets close, hit him. Check him with that lance. Even if you got to, throw the bad boy. And then just pull it out and keep walking. Are you with me? So let's just pray together, agree, and again, when I say amen, just, just stand with me, and then we're going to sing, and then if you got to go, love you, have a wonderful day, stop by the Connection Center first time, get your free gift, come back to see us, tell somebody about what God's doing in your life, let's just go together, okay? Let us pray. God, we love you. God, in this moment, we, we thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for how you, you've enabled us to stand in you. God, I know it's got to be so hard for you as our Father to let us fall. I know. It is so hard for you to let us bruise our knee, to bump our head, to sub our toe, to get those scrapes and to get those bruises when you say, hey, I... I got the right stuff for you to wear. Put your helmet on. Put your knee pads on. Come on now. Get the right shoes. And we, I know it's hard for you, God. But thank you for allowing those things to happen, God, so that we can stand in you. Because otherwise, we would think it was all about us and that we did it on our own. God, we are fine to be broken. We are fine to be made whole in you. It's okay. So God, today, we make a decision without any hype, without anything at all, to stand, to agree with one another that we will be the church and that when we leave this place, empowered through prayer and a life of prayer, that we will change our workplace, that we will change our homes, by being changed by that two-edged sword that goes in and separates the things that don't need to be in there, that makes us whole in the process. So Lord, this morning, 
together, we will stand with you, and we will agree, and we will worship, we will express our gratitude and, and our thanks to the one who has changed it all. And for those that have to go, Lord, thank you so much for them today. Bless them as they go. Let them go in your strength. Let them go in your peace. Lord, we love you, and we thank you that you are here and that you are with us every single day. Thank you. But not only will we fight, we will fight in victory for the rest of our lives. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. And today we take our stand. Amen. Stand with me. Thank you, God.